a special edition of the Darden Admissions Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, we continue our ongoing spotlight on learning through the case method with a conversation featuring three first-year students from our full-time MBA class of 2024, Vince Wang, Ryan Smith, and Alex Esposito. If you're curious about the academic experience here at Darden, you're curious about uh, what it's like to learn through the case method, this episode is highly recommended. So without further ado, here's my interview with Vince Wang, Ryan Smith, and Alex Esposito. Vince, Ryan, Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for having us. Well, it's great having you here. Um, it's quarter four. I gather just from talking with some first-year students that quarter four can feel a little bit different than Q1, two, and three. And you moved out of the core. You're now uh, in electives. Vince, how are you doing? How are things? Yeah, I'm doing really well. So it's the first week of Q4 right back, and it's a really beautiful time in Charlottesville. Um, we're right in the heart of spring, and the cherry blossoms are blossoming. So it's really beautiful all around. And I just got back some, from some traveling as well over spring break. So uh, it's nice to be back home in Charlottesville and kind of resettle in into the new quarter ahead. Alex, how are you doing? Did you have a nice spring break? Yeah, I would echo what Vince said. I had a really relaxing spring break. I was away with some of my darting classmates down in Latin America, which was great. And now just settling into what feels like a new rhythm, being out of section and being in classes with some other darting classmates. So really excited to be kicking off Q4. Excellent. I just had a conversation with uh, Ernest Petway not so not so long ago, talking about Darden Cup. I gather that uh, this is crunch time for Darden Cup, too, in addition to all the things uh, that you've mentioned. Uh, Ryan, how are things going? They're going great. Um, you know, similar to what everyone else has said, Q4, uh, you definitely come in excited for the classes that you've picked. Um, definitely well-rested, uh, coming off a of spring break. But I think a word that I will use is it's almost bittersweet. You know, you look back in three quarters of the first years over almost half the Darden experience. And for me, I look at that and, uh, you know, just looking forward to making the most of the time that I have left with the second year students that I've got friendships with and understanding I come back, you know, next year and only another year left in this amazing place. All right. Well, this conversation is going to be about the case method and learning through the case method. We find that this is something that prospective students hear a lot about. Darden's a case method school, but they may not always understand exactly what it is and what it's like from a student standpoint. So we've been having some podcast conversations, different groups of students. I'll also be talking with faculty, maybe even alums. So we'll see um, all about this learning experience here at Darden. But before we get there, I want to set the scene a little bit and get to know the people who are on this call. So Alex, tell us a little bit more about you. Who are you and what's your background? Yeah. So prior to Darden, I was in New York City at PwC working in public accounting, more specifically audit. And I just found I really liked client service and I really liked my retail and consumer products clients, the industry they were in. But I just wanted more out of my career and kind of a higher level. And I felt like the best way to to make that pivot and think about where businesses were going next would be to get an MBA. So was really excited about Darden, actually specifically for the case method. It's one of the things that attracted me here and so far so good in making that pivot and kind of expanding my perspective on business to be a bit more higher level and forward looking. Is an MBA something that you maybe always thought you might do or did it become more urgent uh, for you as you were as you were out there working? 
Yeah. So I took a leadership class junior year of my undergrad and we wrote five-year plans. And in my journal, it says class of 2024 for MBA. So this was definitely part of the plan. It didn't specifically say Darden at that time, but it all kind of came together and it's really cool to look back on that handwritten journal entry. Awesome. Ryan, how about how about you? Uh, tell us a little bit more about your story. Yeah. Um, prior to Darden, my entire professional experience was spent uh, as an officer in the United States Marine Corps. Uh, I was a field artillery officer. So, you know, got to uh, have a lot of fun out there in the desert, um, blowing some stuff up and, uh, you know, leading some phenomenal Marines, men and women in the process. You know, the MBA for me, um, up until about a year before I left the Marine Corps, I had no idea really what an MBA was, no idea um, what this program consisted of or, or if it would be even right for me. Uh, and I think when I explored options out of the Marine Corps, started thinking about how I wanted to craft my life in the long term, um, the MBA program, specifically the one here at Darden, really just made the most sense for what I wanted to do with my long term career uh, and, you know, sort of what I value in my own life. All right, Vince, tell us a little bit more about you. Who are you and what's your story? Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, when people ask me who I am, I kind of describe myself as Mr. Worldwide these days because I was born in Taiwan. Um, I grew up there until I was 10 before moving to Australia with family. And I was there for much of my adult life until coming to the U.S. to do my MBA. And a lot of what drove me to come to do my MBA was this desire for personal growth. I think like what Alex and Ryan was referring to in that I was quite settled into my role um, at the time. So I was working as a management consultant, specializing in operation strategy and supply chain management. But I felt like there was still a lot about the world and more specifically the business world that I didn't necessarily know about. And so I think for me to become a better manager and also a better business leader, I needed to actually kind of go back into the workshop and kind of upskill so that I knew that my skills and my knowledge were up to date. And that could then take me to sort of new lands and new territories that I hadn't necessarily come across before. And so that was really what drove me to pursue my business education. And I'm really liking it so far. Let's talk a little bit more about how you ended up at Darden. Ryan, you mentioned didn't know much about an MBA, but then you realized, okay, this is the step I want to take. What was it about Darden that specifically resonated with you? You know, for me, uh, I narrowed it down to three things that sealed the deal, knowing, you know, in my heart that Darden was the right place for me. And that was the culture, uh, the curriculum, and then Charlottesville as a place to live. You know, you talk about the culture, the class size here at Darden, uh, it's 349 students, I think, in our first, first year class. Um, you know, don't quote me on that number. I'm pretty sure that's right. Uh, but I look at that and I saw that number as a place where I would have intimate and really fulfilling relationships um, with all of my classmates, whether they're, you know, just in my section, my learning team, or the first year class as a whole. And the caring and collaborative culture that's fostered here is something that was really important to me. I knew that it would be a place, it'd be a place that would push me, but it was a place that, you know, um, I would be pushed with other people and probably go further than I would if I was just going at it by myself, right? Uh, the curriculum, you know, we'll talk about the case method, but that was, um, extremely influential in my decision to choose Darden. Uh, the, the core curriculum, you know, the, the first three quarters um, and sort of how that's laid out and time tested was really attractive to me, um, the quality of the faculty. And then you talk about Charlottesville as a place to live. 
I'm from a small town in South Carolina, uh, about five hours from here. So, you know, I knew I wanted to be back in the Southeast. Um, but, you know, looking at Charlottesville, when I came and visited, uh, saw all the things that there were to do here, not just at Darden, but outside in the community, it really just sealed the deal. So I'd say those three things, the culture, um, the curriculum, and then, you know, Charlottesville is a place. And so you, you described yourself as Mr. Worldwide, which I know of at least one other person who might lay claim to that title. So, but you'll, at least for the purposes of this podcast, you'll be Mr. Worldwide here. I wonder, how did you uh, end up uh, at Darden? Yeah, so I knew when I wanted to do my my MBA, I wanted to pursue it outside of Australia because um, I think America has amongst the best business schools in the world. But also, I think there's something very unique about the American business community that's very different to Australia. Um, Australia is predominantly dominated by industries of which there are only a couple of major players. And so it's a much more closed off market, whereas I think in America, you have this dynamicism within your business community that inspires a lot of innovation and a lot of new product offerings that then kind of gets cascaded down to the rest of the world. So I was curious if there was something in the water here or maybe some sort of secret sauce that kind of makes it easier for that process to happen. And so that's what got me very interested in studying in the US. But I think particularly why Darden as my preferred place to go to, besides the great things that Ryan spoke to, um, I noticed that the school was kind of going through a transformational period when I applied. So. I actually applied right at the start of COVID when um, the pandemic was happening and Darden was the first school to, I think, offer a test waiver to students who were looking to apply. And when I looked through the test waiver process and saw that a lot of my existing life and professional experiences were quite well aligned to that process, I realized that I could actually accelerate the process towards getting my dream of getting an MBA. And so with that, I started talking to admissions more to understand the school and the process. And I realized that um, amongst the many aspects in terms of like the application and also the culture itself, it really ticked a lot of the things that I was looking for. Excellent. All right, Alex, you mentioned the case method earlier. Um, what led you to Darden? I know the case method was part of it, but were there other, other things? Yeah, I'll just reiterate, I actually got a test waiver too. So I had a similar process as Vince, just mentally thinking about being one step closer to the MBA, just being able to go through that process. But really the three things that Ryan talked about, um, culture, curriculum, and Charlottesville were my three too. From a culture perspective, I was looking for a smaller program where I felt like I could have impact and be impacted by others and Darden offered that. From a curriculum perspective, I felt like I figured out how to work a classroom when you're taught information and you need to regurgitate it back. And I wasn't looking to do that again. I was looking to really be fully immersed in the experience and make it feel like almost a boardroom conversation on a daily basis. And then Charlottesville, my brother lived here for a period of time, actually, when he worked for um, GE. And I loved visiting when he was here. And also having been in New York City, I was looking to get out of the city bubble in the Northeast. So really only wanted to look at schools that were not in cities. And I said, I would not go North of New York because I don't like the cold. So Charlottesville kind of had everything I was looking for. All right, well, let's talk about the experience that you, you hear, you're here now, first year students, talk about the experience of adjusting to life at, at Darden. There's learning curves. It's one of the things that we talk about here on the podcast. I think it's good for students to hear that 
different students have different adjustments as they navigate. I mean, there's some some commonalities, but there's always uh, some uniqueness as well, too. So Vince, I, I wonder, you come to Darden, you're a brand new student going through the core. Uh, what were the adjustments for you? What were the learning curves? I think the the main initial adjustment I had to get used to was probably the the move across the Pacific itself, because I think, and I imagine it's the same for Ryan and Alex, even though you both come from the US, um, you're effectively leaving behind an established network that you had and kind of setting up uh, in a new home somewhere else. And so I think being able to find that network in your new environment is really important. And so I've been really blessed to be able to have my section. So shout out to section eight and my learning team who've been very helpful in terms of helping me adjust to my new surrounds. But I'd also say that I think for a lot of people who come to business school, we're very much used to being, you know, amongst the top of what uh, we used to do or where we used to be, whether it be from a school point of view or whether it be from a work point of view. And it can actually be quite unsettling when you suddenly realize that you are actually surrounded by the best of the best. And you kind of go through this process where you navigate and actually work out where your value add is, because um, ultimately in a team-based environment, you realize that everyone contributes in very different ways. And so being able to quickly recognize what your strengths are and where your value add is to complement other people's strengths and value add is a really important adjustment that I think all of us kind of go through in the first year. I appreciate that point. You're right. You, you come from your organization, you talented, smart person, and then you're in a room full of very talented, smart people, and you got to figure out how do I fit in here? Uh, what can I What can I add? That's such a good point. I appreciate that, Vince. Alex, um, how about for you? Uh, what were the adjustments, learning curves for you as a first-year student here at Darden? Yeah, for me, it was a lot of the transition from being like a working person to now being a student again and having like the demands of homework and wanting to be part of clubs and making new friends and adjusting to this new community, kind of all of that happening at once. And for me, I was training for a marathon when I got to Darden, my first one actually. So that was like this whole other thing going on in the background that I was trying to keep up with, but also keep up with all the demands of Darden, both in the classroom and outside of it. And I would say leaning on friends really early on in the process and building very meaningful relationships like right off the bat, and then also leaning on my learning team to get up to speed and really feel supported. And like I wasn't going through the learning curve and the case method alone was really the key to me making the transition and now feeling great in Q4 and being in this new rhythm of how things work here. I appreciate your mentioning the sort of startup from like going from working uh, to school. It's maybe one of the more underrated things. People ask us a lot about like, oh, what about finance and accounting? They kind of forget like just being back in school again can be a challenge right studying having homework not really owning your schedule per se i mean that's all all a big adjustment for people so um ryan uh how about you what were the what were the learning curves what were the adjustments for you yeah you know you talk about uh going back to school and i'd spent my uh or you know earlier mentioned i'd spent my previous years before darden in the marine corps so naturally I'm sure you can imagine there's a lot of differences between the military and and being here at uh, you know Darden. Uh, I think there's some obvious ones. Sure, you know you've got homework again. You've got to study. Um, you've got unfamiliar subject matter. You know, for me, uh, working in a field where we really didn't touch finance and accounting at all, 
um, you know, sort of an alien language there. But I think aside from that, you know, something that may be less obvious, uh, I really adjusted to making sense of the wide range of opportunities that are available here. I mean, coming from the Marine Corps, you're in this structured environment. And I knew what my life would look like, you know, at least for a year or two in the future. But I come here to Darden and I see there's just tremendous opportunity, both in the space of careers, um, you know, academics, you can really, you know, take all sorts of, uh, you know, curriculum classes. Uh, and, and there's all these opportunities to make meaningful relationships. And so for me, I really had to make sense of, wow, you know, this whole world has opened up to me. How do I prioritize that? And how do I, you know, ultimately say no to some things because time is a finite resource and we only have so much of it to spend. You know, I, echoing Alex's point earlier, my learning team uh, was tremendously helpful, um, phenomenal individuals. And I think I really understated the importance of the learning team when I came on to grounds originally. You know, I, I knew that the learning team was a, a thing. Uh, I knew that I would do some casework with them, but I think I underestimated uh, just how impactful my relationship would be with those other five individuals who I consider some of my best friends here. I appreciate all the learning team shout outs. Um, Ryan, I'm curious, can you tell us a little bit more uh, about your learning team, maybe the mix of people on the team and um, how do you all work together? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, um, let's see. So we have we have six members of our learning team. I think some have five. Uh, we, are, we are lucky enough to have six. Um, all sorts of uh, different life experiences and backgrounds. You know, Delaney was from Minnesota, worked in, you know, something really cool with insurance and data. I don't really understand it. Adi's from India, was an engineer. Sharon from Nigeria, uh, worked in finance. Uh, Paul worked in marketing. He's originally from Jacksonville, has kind of moved all over. And then Benjamin uh, most recently worked in Memphis and did uh, some really cool stuff with educational financing and grants and things like that. So all this awesome professional experience um, in so many different areas. You know, I got assigned uh, to this learning team and met everyone and immediately felt incredibly lucky to be surrounded by so many smart and accomplished people. But then you come to realize not only smart and accomplished, they're, they're caring and they're great friends as well. You know, we were there for each other um, for the highs and for the lows over the, the last three quarters, you know, uh, and I don't think we could have gotten through it without each other. Um, so, you know, if they ever listen to the admissions podcast, I hope they hear that. Alex, you also mentioned your learning team. Will you tell us about, about your learning team and, and how y'all work together? Yeah, we had a wide range of backgrounds as well and nationalities, ethnicities, everything, which really came to make this perfect balance within the group, both for learning and also making like a learning team culture. Um, one particular experience that stands out to me more on like the personal front was I was really having a tough time deciding where to spend my summer for my internship. And I happened to like mention it at the beginning of one of our learning team meetings and everyone was like, why don't we just put the cases aside and help Alex with like a pro con list. So we spent like 35 minutes as a team in like in the learning team rooms on the whiteboard, making that decision for me, but like they heard my points of view and also gave some new perspectives. And they're kind of the reason that I'm going where I'm going this summer and I'm really excited about it. And then also one of my learning teammates, John, he's an MD MBA. So we get this really cool perspective of a med school student in the MBA classroom with us. And the entire learning team is actually going to his wedding celebration tomorrow night in DC. So definitely made really strong lifelong friendships that 
extend far beyond the classroom and even darting grounds. That's awesome. Well, congratulations uh, to John. Um, Vince, you want to tell us just a little bit about your learning team? Yeah, so um, I have a wonderful learning team where we're now like a very tight knit group of friends. And so lots of very different backgrounds. So uh, obviously you have domestic students, international students. We actually have quite a number of vets in our learning team as well. So um, they bring really great experience of what it's like being in the military for the rest of us who don't really have that exposure or that knowledge. And also lots of very different, uh, very varying backgrounds as well in terms of work experience. So one used to do not-for-profit. Um, I worked in consulting, whereas other people had banking experience as well. So you get that richness of perspective. But I think one really memorable experience I had with my learning team was watching my first ever Super Bowl in, in the US. And so uh, we got together to go to one of my teammates' place to um, you know, just watch the game, sit in front of TV. And I think that was really special. And I will always remember that as my first Super Bowl. All right. Well, let's let's transition to talking about the case method now. Um, Alex, I wonder, maybe you have friends who ask, okay, yeah, I've heard Dart's a case method school. Maybe you get this question from prospective students. What exactly is, is the case method? How do you explain uh, this learning approach uh, to people? Yeah, the classroom is basically a conversation. That's the best way that I would explain it. Instead of a professor just getting in front of the room and teaching information, it's both taught by them as much as it's taught by the peers around you, sharing perspectives both from their own experience. And what's been especially interesting to me is people who have no experience with certain information are also able to bring just as valuable as of as the people who know the topic in the perspectives that they provide in the classroom. So it kind of just becomes this, this great conversation of really diving like three more steps deeper than I would say my undergraduate classes were to the material and the topics that we happen to be tackling in the classroom together. It's an interesting point that, that you mentioned there. We oftentimes get questions from people who said, well, I took finance in undergrad. Do I have to take that here at, at Darden? And the answer is yes, no one places that at classes. Uh, here, but what we oftentimes share is this is going to feel very different uh, than that undergraduate class. Um, and I appreciate your your note, Alex. Uh, Ryan, uh, what do you explain? What do you highlight for people uh, who don't know as much about the case method? Yeah, you know, I, I would use an analogy and say, suppose you asked me to teach you how to ride a bike. You know, I could show you a PowerPoint and I could assign you a book on how to ride a bike, or I could just put you on a bike and you could learn by doing. And I think the case method. Um, really nests well with that analogy of just putting you on the bike. You know, you might fall off, you might struggle, but at the end of the day, you're going to master the skills far more than you would from purely a, a book learning or a PowerPoint lecture style of curriculum. And I think the case method absolutely gives you the ability to learn those hard skills uh, more so than, you know, any other uh, sort of lecture, but really, really the value and to Alex's point is it improves your ability to go three steps deeper and talk through not just the decision at hand, um, you know, from an objective standpoint, but you're learning how to make decisions in uncertainty. And as managers, we're going to thrive in the gray area and we thrive in nuance. And if the world was black and white, you know, computers or AI could do our jobs. And I think that's what the virtue of the case method is, is it, it allows us to practice the muscle of making decisions in uncertainty and making decisions and nuance and communicating that in a collaborative environment, 
And ultimately, you know, you're a better manager for it. Vince, how about you? Uh, what do you highlight about this learning experience for folks who don't know much about Darden and they get curious about case method? Yeah, I'd almost compare um, the case method and the class experience uh, a little bit like an orchestra performance. Your professor is very much the conductor who's at the front of the classroom, working, making sure that this performance goes smoothly. So there's actually a lot of preparation that goes behind the scenes into a very successful class because the professor would know um, what questions are most pertinent for this case and also what facts are most important that the professor needs to communicate over the course of an hour and a half that we have with that professor. But you also realize that much like an orchestra, there are different roles that the different students play within that class environment. So you've obviously got your finance experts who are the subject matter experts. They know the topic really well based on prior study or work experience. And so they have a role to play in terms of being able to stretch the conversation further in terms of what the different financial concepts mean in that class and being able to teach other people what they mean. But you also have those students who are not familiar with the topic, like this is brand new to them. And they often bring a very realistic perspective to the class because they would ask, you know, what's in it for me? Like, why is this important to my learning? And why is this important for businesses and business executives to understand? And I think when you have that reality check, it brings the conversation very much back down to earth because you circle back to actually think of the bigger picture questions as to why we're here today and why we're learning what we're learning today. And so uh, a very well-prepared orchestra performance is how I would describe it. Well, some of the conversation here has kind of opened the door to the next question. And it's one that we get from prospective students all the time. It's something like, do you even learn accounting? through the case method? How does how does that work? And so uh, y'all are experienced at this. You've all been through accounting uh, in the first year core. Um, Ryan, I wonder when people ask you this question, um, what does accounting look like through the case method? What, what do you tell them? You know, I, I say I took I took one accounting class my freshman year of undergrad and did not like it, hated it, told myself that I would never take an accounting class for the rest of my life. And there I am, the first quarter of Darden, uh, taking accounting with Shane DeColi, phenomenal professor, um, you know, and, and he really uh, changed my perception of accounting. And I told him that, you know, had had I not had him in the case method, I probably would have, you know, avoided it for the rest of my life like I had planned to do. Um, I think what makes a difference in, in learning accounting through the case method is you're not only practicing the what, but you're understanding the why. And I think when you understand conceptually why something matters and how it affects a managerial decision or how it affects, um, you know, the company's uh, long term strategy, then you understand the value of those um, smaller scale decisions and, and it makes it a little bit more clear. Uh, and so for me, for the first time, really all of this sort of clicked because I was not only just going through essentially a rote memorization exercise with key accounts and journal entries. Uh, it made sense because I understood why these things were important and how they drove managerial decisions and tangibly affected reality. Um, you know, I think it's great uh, if I, you know, could recommend taking accounting to the uh, via the case method to anyone. I would. Uh, my sister is an accountant, uh, and I guess as a testament to my accounting skills, uh, I was home on a break one time and 
she took a look at one of the cases and was like, wow, this is actually, you know, really interesting. I wish we had learned it this way. Uh, and so, you know, if uh, my sister, who's a certified public accountant, says that, it's good enough for me. <laughs> All right. CPA endorsement. I like that. So, um, uh, Vince and Alex, uh, Vince, I'm going to come to you next. So you've taken multiple quantitatively oriented classes through the case method. And accounting is one of them, but you also have finance, decision analysis. So the list kind of goes on. Um, what's it like to learn these quantitative courses, uh, the subject matter uh, through the case method, uh, moving beyond just accounting, uh, just more numbers-based classes? Yeah, sure. Um, it's actually really interesting you mentioned that because yesterday I had data visualization and analysis, and we were exploring the topic through um, COVID case data. And so I think the beauty of the case method is that you can often find very contemporaneous cases for which you can look through data and information and gain insights of something that may very well be happening only a couple of years ago or right in the moment as we speak. And so being able to find recency and relevance in terms of what you're learning about and applying it in a very rapid sense, I think is where the case method has been particularly enjoyable. I know we started talking about accounting before and Admittedly, I was a skeptic coming into the case method because I, like Alex, am also a qualified accountant. And so we very much learned it based on understanding the accounting standard and learning it through lecture-based environments. And so I was uh, curious to see how well the case method could be delivered through accounting. And I was actually very pleasantly surprised um, because of the very fact that a lot of our cases are quite contemporary and revolve around contemporary industries like tech. And so when we look at companies like Microsoft or Salesforce and understand how accounting applies to an industry like them, you then kind of realize as you're watching TV that, oh, okay, when I'm seeing Microsoft in the news, I can kind of get a sense of what the CEO, CFO is thinking about um, as uh, he or she is going through the financials and looking through the books of the company. And these are the things that are top of mind for them. All right, Alex, any thoughts here on learning these more quantitative topics, subject matter, uh, through the case method? Yeah, I would say being a CPA myself, I was skeptical too of the process, like Vince had said. Um, I What I was excited about was that it did challenge me and it challenged me to be able to teach the information to my peers in a new way multiple times because people who were just learning this information for the first time would ask the why and the how and keep pushing you to go one step deeper, but also almost not going so deep and being able to just share the same thing in, in a couple different ways really challenged me to make sure that I fully understood what I was just doing in my career for the past five years. What I would say too, that the professors do a really good job with the quantitative courses is they know how deep to go, but they also know when to stop. And when at our level and the roles that we're going to go into later, it's just not necessary that we go further than we have already gone and when the conversation needs to get reeled back so that when we're in managerial positions going forward and we're CEOs someday or head of a, a certain department, we know just enough to have those conversations with the folks who are experts in that particular area within the company. And we can have those conversations in the best way. But that we're, we don't necessarily need to be the person who's going into all the details and actually putting the things together. We more so just know how to analyze it and how to do something with the information that's presented to us. 
Appreciate that point. I think something that we try to highlight with prospective students when they see these subjects on, on, in the curriculum and they say, oh my gosh, finance, accounting, oh man, um, maybe they have an experience at a prior, a prior institution, didn't have a great accounting class or whatever the case may be, thinking about learning. And what we try to share with students is it's the managerial perspective that's emphasized in these courses. Yes, there's technical aspects to it, but you're gonna to continue to think about the problem as if you were the leader of this organization, you're the manager here, you have to make a decision. That's what the case method does. Um, so I find that prospective students always like stories. Um, and so I wonder, and this is probably very difficult because you read hundreds of cases at, at this point, uh, but Vince, is there a case, a case discussion uh, from your first year that stands out? Something that um, you, when you got out of that class, if somebody would have asked you about that discussion, you would probably gone on for a while. Is there maybe a case uh, that, that comes to mind? Yeah, um, I think a lot of the marketing cases I found quite interesting because they're often consumer brands that you see day in and day out. And so um, one industry that was particularly topical in recent years is direct to consumer. And so we're looking at Casper, which uh, for those of you who don't know, Casper is a direct to consumer mattress brand where um, they very much uh, sold themselves as um, the company where you will get the best sleep in your life. And um, your mattress is stuffed in this box that can be easily carried around. And if you don't like it, you can return it, but it's still great value for money. And what we did as we kind of broke down the company further was that we saw that even though they had this really great product, that it probably wasn't actually making that much money um, selling each of the mattresses that it was doing because from a sales and distribution point of view, that's actually a really expensive process when you compare it to your traditional um, big mattress makers who go through a more B2B to C um, business model and business setup. And so being able to unpack that and see sort of where we think the questions or the doubts are with Casper's business model, and then being able to actually look back and see how that company has progressed is quite revealing. And it kind of really stood, uh, stood out to me and made it a very memorable case. That's super interesting. Because uh, of course, you see the ads, you hear, you hear the ads about it, and you wonder, industry right right for disruption mm. maybe maybe not exactly that's interesting um alex is there a case uh, that stands out from your first year yeah so it's actually from last quarter we had the second part of economics within the core curriculum and one of the earlier cases that we had done was about the swiss franc and a particular part of history when Frank Geddon happened, which the whole point of the case was to learn about the Swiss franc being pegged to another currency and then what it meant specifically for Swatch when the currency was unpegged. And for me, one of my big motivating factors of actually getting my MBA was to find a larger connection. My family's actually over in Switzerland, half of them, and I'm a Swiss American dual national. So I've always tried to find ways to make a connection both in my education and hopefully in the next step of my career to kind of merge those perspectives that I've had in growing up and going back and forth. So to have a case specifically focused on Switzerland, a Swiss company and their currency was really exciting to me. I remember calling my grandma, texting my my aunt and cousin and being like, we're talking about Switzerland today. I wore my Swiss flag t-shirt, brought my flag in. I was so excited. Um, and then the case discussion went that half of the room got to be Switzerland and the other half of the room got to be another country. And so the professor let my side of the room be Switzerland because I was so excited to 
talk about the country that day. So that one really stands out to me. I don't know if it was luck necessarily that that was the country we were talking about, but really interesting. And I definitely understand pegged exchange rates now. That's awesome. Uh, people always ask, are there breakouts or there team activities in these classes? I appreciate the, the example there. Yes, they, they do happen. Um, Ryan, how about for you? Do you have a favorite case? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I'm tempted to go with the Darden Classic and, and talk about George's T-shirts. Um, of course, that one, that case is probably older than I am. Uh, but to be fair to the prospective students, I don't want to give too much away about the big twist in the George T-shirts case. So I, I'm going to put that one off to the side and I'll talk about uh, something else. Um, my favorite, my favorite day, I think through the core was in our second quarter of finance where we did a LVMH and Tiffany's merger case. So there's really a two-part class. The first part was spent um, reading a case about a proposed acquisition of the jeweler Tiffany's uh, by Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy, LVMH, um, essentially trying to buy Tiffany's. Um, the, what made this really neat was it wasn't just a straightforward discussion about valuation and you know synergies and how to really put a target price um, on a company. We divided the class up into two teams uh, and there was a LVMH side, there was a Tiffany side, and we discussed this merger across sections. So myself and two other classmates from Section E uh, faced off or negotiated with uh, three other uh, Darden students from Section D, one of which actually was on my learning team, so that made it fun. Um, but we had, a, uh, we had a negotiation about the value of, of this company, and we essentially negotiated a, a merger um, of LVMH and Tiffany's. And I think that was really neat because had we just sat in the classroom and talked about, you know, valuation and mergers and acquisitions on a PowerPoint, I probably would have forgotten it. But I think the experiences that I had, not just developing the case, developing my model, um, but articulating that and persuading three other incredibly intelligent and bright students, um, why my valuation, you know, should be accepted and, and not theirs. Uh, that's always going to stick with me. And those are skills that I think um, I'll always be grateful that the case methods imparted. I appreciate your point around the sort of active learning experience here. Um, when you have faculty on mock classes or virtual mock classes, people oftentimes ask, you know, sort of why the case method? And one of the things they invariably cite is that this is actually, uh, the literature bears out that this is a better way for adults to learn. It makes it stickier. Um, and you actually are starting to see a lot of these methods come in even earlier in educational processes, flip classrooms, this kind of thing. And so, um, Alex, I wonder, we talked a lot about cases here, and um, we've even had a, a conversation on the podcast uh, about how these cases come together with a, a senior case writer, researcher at the Darden School. Um, but I wonder, what's it like to read a case as a student? How do you, how do you approach that? Yeah, so I think I started off in core doing what I thought was the right thing of highlighting everything and writing little notes on the sides of the cases and trying to figure out every single detail and then thinking through some of the questions that were asked in preparation for the course. But as time has gone on, I've kind of found a new rhythm on how to approach a case. And now I think instead, it's less about knowing all of the details of what's in the 11 pages of case reading and the five exhibits in the back and more about thinking, what's the big takeaway we're going to be talking about tomorrow? And what kind of comments can I bring to the classroom that's unique to my perspective? Or 
what questions do I have that might make the classroom think about this topic differently? And so I, I guess now in Q4, as I'm reading things, that's more of the approach that I'm taking and just thinking about things less in the details to really get those takeaways and then better be able to apply these topics beyond Darden in the future. Brian, what's been your approach here to reading cases? Um, you know, my approach is very similar to Alex evolved over the last three quarters. Uh, I think if you'd asked me quarter one, uh, it would be read the case and stare at a blank Excel sheet for, you know, five minutes and wonder what to do. Uh, but I think now I've got it down to a pretty good framework. You know, number one, uh, read the case, sort of skim it. And I try to isolate a few different things. I try to isolate the decision that is to be made, um, some criteria by which it, it should be evaluated, and then where the uncertainty lies within the facts of the case. Within that, I can sort of think through um, frameworks that can be applied, sort of, you know, isolate um, key issues within the case, pull out some threads, and, you know, just establish some structure um, through which to work as I try to find an answer in the case. So I think once you have the decision to be made, you apply an appropriate framework and you get somewhat uh, of, of an 80% solution, the next part is just determining those uncertainties and nuance. And I think that's really the joy of the class discussion. My favorite part is once we get the, hey, this is what our framework and this is what, you know, so the if we go through the, you know, discounted cash flow steady state method, this is what the value of the company should be. But now let's talk through all these nuances and how we, uh, why we assume these things if these assumptions are accurate. And so I think that's phase two of really how I approach reading it. Um, but number one is just find that decision, uh, those uncertainties, apply some framework, and then you know part two is really talk through the nuance. I appreciate the points uh, thus far about, you know, you've gotten better, you've changed your approach as you've gone through. And it feels very real uh, based upon uh, the conversations I've had with the students here on the podcast that where, where you start is not always where you end with case reading. Um, you're getting better as you go. Vince, how about you? Um, what What's it like to read a case? How, how do you approach this? Yeah, I think I, I think I very much approach it in the perspective of how an executive would think about the business issue because executives are time poor by nature. And so it's very important to have that ability to quickly distill the relevant information that's important to you be able to work out which analyses are the most relevant and most impactful to the problem you're trying to solve, and also quickly uh, triage where the problems are so that you can take the right course of action to kind of make a decision to find a path forward. So I think those are some of the guiding principles that I use to approach a case. But I've also noticed that over the course of the journey of business school so far, I've been able to recognize the interdependencies across different domains and functions a lot better than I used to be able to particularly as I read a case. So I know Ryan touched on earlier when it came to the Tiffany M&A case that we were doing in finance. But in many ways, that case is also a negotiations case, which is much more on the people side of things because you need to work out how you can build a trusted collaborative relationship with your counterpart such that they're actually willing to sell their business, which uh, is probably a very prized um, organization and a very special thing that you're kind of willing to, you know, sign and give the keys away to. And so there's an art of being able to negotiate a successful arrangement that someone is actually willing to come to the table for and actually willing to be part of. So 
Uh, that in and, of, in and of itself is quite special. I mean, another way you could look at it is from a marketing perspective, which is where we have this large fashion conglomerate that's looking to buy a very established brand. How does that brand complement the LVMH's portfolio as a whole? And do you run the risk that you may end up being one of many as opposed to one of one, where you used to be a standalone company? And so I think being able to recognize those dependencies makes you think more holistically about the problem and the solution at hand. I appreciate all the points around sort of getting the big picture and starting to see the connections across um, classes. I think that's one of the things that also comes up when we talk with faculty about this is that they don't want you to think about finance and accounting as discrete. They want you to think about it as part of an overall enterprise. Um, so Ryan, what's been the most surprising thing uh, for you about the learning experience here at Darden. And people have all kinds of ideas about what business school will be like, what the classroom experience will be like. Um, but what's been the most surprising thing for you? You know, I think it's just how much uh, I've learned um, and how much I've grown through such a short period. I think that I have learned more and grown more as a prospective manager in just really nine months at Darden than I did through multiple years of my undergraduate career. And I think that's part and parcel of the case method, um, the intensity and, and you know, um, value that Darden places upon the academic curriculum and, and my classmates. You know, at the end of the day, you talk about the case method and I'm learning not only from classmates who have managerial experience in these fields, but also students who have very limited experience in certain fields and bring, you know, an incredible amount of creativity and insight. Um, in, in a different way of looking at a problem that, you know, otherwise uh, maybe would not have been seen. And so I think you add all that together and I'm just surprised by how much I've learned and how much I've grown from this, you know, first year student who didn't know the difference between, um, you know, accounts payable and accounts receivable uh, to now, you know, a, I guess a uh, polished, um, you know, student that's completed this Darden core and feeling a lot more confident about my ability um, to make managerial decisions and to perform well, um, you know, my internship and beyond. Vince, how about, how about you? What's been uh, the most surprising thing about the academic experience here? I think for me, probably the most surprising aspect is that I think students really want to hear your perspective and learn your perspective. I noticed coming to America that America is a country of storytellers and everybody loves a good story. And being able to share your unique story and unique perspective kind of draws people closer. And I think that's why a lot of us say that we have these very tight-knit teams and very, these very tight-knit bonds with our learning teams and with our sections because we're really encouraged to do that storytelling aspect day in, day out. And I think being able to share each other's stories and being able to appreciate um, each other's lived experiences kind of adds to that learning experience and makes you a much more effective and much more um, powerful team as a whole. Alex, what's been surprising to you about the learning experience here at Darden? Yeah, I definitely reiterate what Vince and Ryan have already said. But for me, one of the surprising things, I think specific to the case method, is that it's not about having the answer. And I think that's been a real like difficult realization for me, especially coming from accounting where there is an answer and there's all kinds of written criteria and code about what the right answer is. And here, 
with the case method. And I think even in business beyond, which is why it's this way, it's more about the process and the framework and the how to think than it is about actually walking out of the classroom and the discussion with the right answer in hand. And I think that's really what's going to take us to the next level in our careers. Ryan talked earlier about making decisions without having all of the information in front of us and kind of working through that ambiguity. And that's been a shock to my system, but in the best way. And we'll definitely prepare me and my classmates for what's next. Your point about the right answer, that is a real adjustment for a lot of students because um, when you talk to the faculty about it, you know, they get people coming up to them afterwards to be like, well, what would you do? Or what do, what do you think should be done here? And the faculty are not going to answer that question. They're not going to tell you. And they mentioned that to prospective students. And I think it's like a little bit of like a, a mind blower for people. And they're like, really? Really? You don't say? And they said, well, we want you to learn how to exercise judgment. Um, and what's the point of that if we, we tell you uh, what we think you should do? That doesn't doesn't work. That's at odds. And so, um, and the exercise judgment in difficult, ambiguous situations to, to your points here. So uh, last question, um, wonder about a piece of advice you would share uh, with our listeners. Maybe uh, kind of, we'll, we'll keep this on the academic front, if that sounds okay, since a lot of our conversation has touched on uh, the learning experience here, Vince. Uh, what's one piece of advice that you would share uh, for prospective students? Um, I'd say from a, from a class experience point of view, Participation is a very big part of the case method. And, you know, being able to share your point of view is absolutely critical because I think not only does it add to other people's learning experience, but, you know, you, you, you lose the ability of actually kind of expand, uh, you lose the ability to expand other people's learning and knowledge if you don't share what you have in your mind. And so I think for a lot of us, right at the start of Q1, we were really hesitant to share our views because you run the risk of what Alex said in that you could absolutely like butcher your point or you could be completely off the track. But I think part of the art of learning is being able to actually know when you're off the track or being able to course correct because you learn more from making mistakes than actually being right all the time. And so being able to take risks and willing to contribute in class, even if you may not necessarily know that's right, is actually a very important skill to have. And I've uh, been very lucky to be able to go through that process and actually learn that um, that's actually a very important sort of life skill and learning skill to have. And I'll take that away with me as I go into sort of the, like the next chapter of my career. That's such a great point, Vince. Uh, finding a way to participate and, and contribute. Even, a lot of people think that they have to absolutely know that their answer is the right answer to raise their hand to contribute. And, and the faculty, one of the things that I oftentimes will hear them share with students is like, just get it out there. Just put it out there. If Even if it's not right, it'll get corrected. Well, it can still move the conversation forward. And so letting go of that idea that you have to absolutely know that you're right in order to participate. That's such an, such an important thing. Alex, um, what's a piece of advice you would share with, with our listeners? My advice definitely complements what Vince just said. I would say to really buy into the process. I found with the case method specifically and the Darden experience as a whole too, you kind of get out of it what you put into it. Um, and if you really buy into the process and try and put the effort in and go out of your comfort zone and ask the tough questions or don't be afraid to fail or raise your hand and say the wrong thing, you're going to learn so much, almost more by doing that than always trying to be right in the process. And even beyond the classroom, I would say just an involvement at Darden and being a part of different clubs and expanding your network and making friends and 
better relationships with your peers to really just go out of your comfort zone and, and buy into the experience. And you'll be really happily surprised with what you can get out of it. All right, Ryan, you get the last word here. Uh, a piece of advice you would share with our listeners. Yeah, you know, first, I'd like to offer uh, a piece of advice to the prospective students who may be deciding whether to apply to Darden or whether to take that offer of admission um, and maybe have reservations about the case method and learning and what is a new and foreign a way of, of, you know, going through this curriculum. And my advice would be that if the case method seems intimidating to you, that is okay. And think about what's going to be important to you in choosing a business school and likely you'll want to go somewhere that is going to prepare you to be a better manager. And in order to do that, it's not enough to just have the right answer on paper. You need to be able to drive results. You need to be able to exercise judgment in an ambiguous or ambiguous and uh, clear, unclear situation. And oftentimes that involves developing this managerial perspective, articulating it, persuading others, and having a conversation. And that's the case method in a nutshell. You know, I think that you look at the skills that we all will need to have as managers in the future and the case method unequivocally, um, you know, I think enables us to, to be better suited to that than anything else. Uh, so, you know, if you're unsure if this is right for you, uh, you're unsure, um, it may, might seem intimidating. I would say that's okay. It's better to come here and be intimidated in this very collaborative and supportive environment where you can learn and grow um, than to, to fall on your face, you know, when you go out into the workforce, right? Better to learn the skills now. Uh, I think when you're here, my advice would be, um, you know, like uh, Vince and Alex said, make a decision, just put it out there. I would encourage you to find ways to push yourself. Don't be afraid to fail um, because there's so many people here at Darden that'll pick you back up if you fall. Uh, and we'll be able to support you along this learning journey that's truly collaborative. And I think that's what makes it such a special place. Well, Vince, Ryan, Alex, so appreciate your coming on the podcast and, and sharing all these great insights with our listeners. It's such a good conversation. So so many uh, good pieces of advice for people as they orient to learning here at, at Darden. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate it. Thanks. This was great. Thanks, Brett. And that was my conversation with three first-year students from our full-time MBA class of 2024, Vince Wang, Ryan Smith, and Alex Esposito. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Till next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.